0: And our season has already been busy And if you even reflect just a little bit Maybe a lot hasn't changed From 2018 to 2019 Yet it's a new year And so many of us, as we were reminded last week That we want some fresh starts We would love to be able to do some things a little bit differently. Maybe you've noticed some areas, well, that could use some improvement. And so whether it's picking up some dirty clothes better, or, and you can fill in the blanks, you you get a little bit more energized at the beginning of the year. Last week, our youth pastor, Willie, was able to share with us and encouraged us to take a spiritual inventory to look at a little bit of what uh, prayer and what our family and, and maybe what is happening in our church. How does all this fit in? And maybe there's some areas, again, to grow in. Well, this week, this week, we are going to revisit surprising the world let me say what do you mean revisit well if some of you were with us back in august in the first 3 weeks of august we literally did a series called surprising the world and you go well rick it, <laughs> you talked about it there was 3 weeks on it i mean seriously can't you like spend your time better by coming up with some new material you know no Why? Because I think it's really important. It's really, really important. I'm not going to try to jam three weeks of messages into one. I am not going to try to literally force anything down your throats. But what I am going to share, I think, is something that will encourage you and help you focus and maybe make 2019, one of the most unbelievable kingdom years in your life. For some of you who are asking, when are we going to get back in the story, which is a series again that we actually started back in September, we will look at that again beginning January 21st. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I come before you as a holy God, as a God that uh, loves us and is just and is kind, is, is gracious and is merciful. We are overwhelmed, really, by your influence and by your involvement in our lives. We pray today, Father, that you would supernaturally just Touch us, speak to us, encourage our hearts. Lord, would we see you more clearly? Would we love you differently? Would we hear your voice more often? And God, would you change us? Would you change me? Would you change each one that is sitting in a chair or standing or at a stool? Or Father, all those who are downstairs teaching our children and caring for our kids. We pray, Father, even this day, that there would be a movement of your spirit that would be so undeniable. In Jesus name. Amen. At the start of every new year, we do evaluate. Most of us, if we're honest, we're going to look at our calendars and we're going to look at our checkbooks. Now you may, again, be able to recite, what are your priorities for this next year? And you have dreams or desires. But you can look honestly at what your priorities were last year by looking at your calendar and looking at your checkbook. And that isn't trying to even bring any guilt. That's probably going to say, hey, you have filled your calendar and spent your money on things that are really important to you, no matter what you say. If your wife is the most important person on this planet, and you spent $2.97 on her, whoa, we have some ways to grow, folks. That's all I'm saying, you know. So we look at that, and sometimes we look at even the beginning of a year as kind of a halftime assessment. Now again, this is big football season. You, you got that. And, I, and you know, I, I don't want to say too much about the Bears at this moment, but it's been a pretty lean for a while. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you Green Bay Packer fans? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but this is going well for us at this moment, all right? But what I'm saying is, is that every team, no matter what that first half looks like, they go in the locker room and the coach has some different strategies and you come out and you either recover or you get stronger. Maybe this is a halftime talk. Maybe back in September you, you were able to put down some things and, and you were able to accomplish some amazing goals in your life and in your walk with God. But if not, let's look at this as some half-time adjustment. This is always good. Because realistically, any life, any life that, well, isn't examined is filled with regrets. If you continually live your life exactly the same way, with your same priorities all the way through your life, my guess is when you finally get to the end, you're going to be filled with a whole lot of regrets. What I'm hoping for, again, is to encourage you, well, for a new normal. Sometimes we get new normals because of cataclysmic things that have happened to us. Perhaps surgeries or perhaps financial scenarios. And we change our lifestyle because, well, we're not making as much. Or we're not as healthy as we were. But what I'm asking is, is that as we look at our lives, maybe even today you might see something that well, might be a new normal for you. You see, believers, those who have come to faith, those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior, those who are recognized by God as sons or daughters of God, they look at life differently. The Scripture tells us that life is so temporary, it's like a morning fog. Now, most of us, if we, no matter how foggy it stays or no matter how long it stays, it's still pretty short if you look at your whole life. And if you look at your whole life and put that in eternity, oh my word, there are some big things that are happening there. So small. So small. So while believers are camping, my question is what priorities should we have in place? If this world right here, these 50 or 60 or 80 or 102 years that God gives you, If it's short, if it's just like a morning mist, and really it's not going to be something that's going to be significant in all of eternity, how should we spend this time? How should we spend this time? Well, Jesus often spoke of priorities and modeled the life, well, how we ought to live in this broken world. Our world is broken. Jesus infiltrated it. Jesus gave us, well, a perfect view of how to live life here, totally connected with his Father, while making an impact here in the world. He showed us. He showed us how to love people differently. People that maybe don't even love you. He told us how to forgive people. When, well, maybe they don't even deserve forgiving. And you can go through it. As you read Christ's life, You, this is amazing. And we find out that his relationship with his father was unbelievable. One of the things he said very clearly in Mark chapter 12 and numerous other places in the scripture, love God. Love God. Develop a relationship with God. So we know that every believer, that should be at least one priority. That's all, you know. I'm not saying how much time you spend in it. I'm not saying how much effort you put in it. But I know that one of the priorities for Jesus was loving his Father. He spent time listening and responded and submitted out of love even to a place where, well, he ended up on a cross. To the very end, he asked, Lord, is there a different way? Father, could we do this another way? No. You need to take the place of everyone here on the planet. So life choices and priorities flow out of a rich relationship with God. But if we're honest, our life gets in the way of experiencing life. Oh, Rick, you're you're talking, you're, you're, bear with me here. We compromise, we think we know what's best for us, and we get sucked into the good which displaces the great. I have a lot of opportunities to chat with many of you and to talk about deeper issues about life issues about how things are going for you oftentimes, hey, how you doing there, Bill? I'm fine. Okay. Glad you're fine, Bill. That's where we're going? Yep. Okay. But if Bill is my buddy, and I look at him, I say, hey, how you doing, Bill? Rick! this is a terrible week. And all of a sudden, Bill kind of spills his guts. And we get to look at that and walk with each other through it and pray through some of these different things. And I get it. Not everyone's going to be your BFF. You know, I I get it. But realistically, what happens is that if we're not in a relationship with God, most times we focus on the good. We do. We do. And if we look at it and begin to compare it with other people, that's not bad. Hey, Rick, I am not Robin banks. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> that's a good thing. I, 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 Yeah, I get it. But realistically, what happens is that so many of us, even sitting right here, have really good lives, really moral lives. You treat other people pretty well. You know, and... And you go through this, but, but somehow we are missing out on the great. Now, all of us struggle with God's assignments at times. As we read through this love letter called the Bible, and there's certain things in it that kind of get under our skin and say, are you kidding me? But God knows how we're wired and how we'll experience life. And one of the things that seems to rise to the top that kind of goes against us, even though we know it's in the Scripture, is found in Mark 16, 15. And the Scripture says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Evangelism, or sharing good news, is often spoken about in the church. And most of the time you end up, after a message like this, being so guilt-ridden, and you walk out of here and say, Oh, I'm going to just tell people about the good news of Jesus tomorrow no matter what it takes. And people see that. They do. And you try harder. And the joy of Jesus just doesn't show up. And you look at why what is going on? How come people aren't coming to faith? And again, I'm not not yelling, but when was the last time you led someone to the Lord? When was the last one you had a spiritual conversation with anyone not yet redeemed? And again, are you bad people for not No. But I'm just saying, this is usually not a common thing. But Jesus said, "Hey, go into all the world and tell the good news—the good news is that Jesus died in your place, so that you might be able to experience abundant life right now. And not only that, you get this very dirty in heaven. Really? Okay. <laughs> not really how it happens for me, Rick. And honestly, it doesn't happen for me like that either. You know, it's easy to do it up here." really is. And there are many reasons we cower at sharing good news. Sometimes we just don't think it's good news. But the truth is, I hope this message will encourage you, even ignite you on your journey. Surprising the world will clarify what God is actually asking us to do, and then giving you some practical suggestions on how to do it this message is not just as, or it's not just about what ev- <laughs> oh boy this message is not just about what evangelism or sharing good news is it's also what it's not all right i'm going to make some suggestions that if practiced well may turn into natural rhythms what i'm going to share is not a silver bullet It's about doing life well with God and others. For those who are at the series or for those who are old-timers, you know what I'm hoping today is that you'll have a fresh perspective and hope that you'll be encouraged. For those newer to the faith or didn't hear those three weeks of series, I hope you're going to be excited and focused and ignited. You see, the truth is, is that any healthy Christian, and let me just say it that way, healthy Christian, there are many people who are Christians, many people who exist, many people who are sons and daughters of God that, ah, you know, woe is me. But there are some healthy ones. And the healthy ones, they grow in three relational areas all the time. And it's so easy to evaluate or to look at this. You grow in up, in, and out. These are all relationships. Up is your primary relationship. In other words, a healthy Christian will grow in his relationship with God. Because he's connected with God. And out of that connection with God, which is the most important thing, his other relationships flow and grow. Those inside these walls, other believers, and those outside these walls, those not part of this cross-point community. A healthy uh, relationship with God means quite the adventure. But up is primary It always fuels the other. Now, if we look at Jesus, he lived a perfect up, in, and out life, and he literally encouraged his disciples to do that, and then encouraged us to do it. The church, most churches, most evangelical churches, usually applaud up and in. We want you to nurture a relationship with God. We want you to have community here. We want you to have friendships and build great bonds. But sometimes relationships with those outside our walls, well, they're a little harder. That's all I'm going to say. But what I want to encourage you today is that the Apostle Paul gives us a two-fold approach to the ministry of evangelism or the ministry of out. How about that? The ministry of out. He believes <coughs> there are evangelists and that they are gifts to the church. The church, had, every church has been given certain gifts and certain people and certain leadership. And literally, they are gifted by God's grace to the church. And in the scriptures here, it says, Now, these are gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up His church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to unity in our faith. All right. So the plan is this. There are certain gifted individuals who are there in a church to equip and to train. Now what I want you to understand is that there is a gift of evangelism. And some of us get very intimidated by those, by those people with those gifts. We find out, you know, how come Joe can always just bring up Jesus? How come he boldly shares his faith? How come people come to the Lord all the time when they hang out with Joe? Maybe Joe has a gift. But the problem is, is that some of us then, well, we forget what God has literally called us to, because we're all not evangelists, we're all not pastors, we're all not prophets, and you can go through that. But what God has given us is a different perspective. Evangelists boldly proclaim good news, but all believers give answers. And let me, let me try to share with you. In Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 2, Paul again writes, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and, and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains, Paul says. I'm an evangelist. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Then he talks to the church. Listen to what he says. Live wisely among those who are not believers, those not redeemed. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right answer for everyone. In other words, biblically, church leaders are to identify, equip, mobilize, gifted evangelists who take the responsibility of evangelizing, all right? But they're also to inspire all believers to live questionable lives. Now, again, not secret lives, not gross lives. Lives that when you infiltrate, people start saying, whoa! Why do you act like that? Why do you forgive like that? Why do you love like that? Whoa, that's weird. I've never seen anyone do that. All right, never. If all believers are leading the kinds of lives that evoke questions from their friends, then opportunities for sharing faith abound and chances for gifted evangelists' boldly proclamation begin to increase. The task of every believer, all of us, who does not, do not have the gift of evangelism, is to surprise your world. Let me try to describe this. Believers infiltrating every arena of life, arousing curiosity among the not yet redeemed. Families following and reflecting Jesus while living in their communities, well. Wow. It's living questionable lives. It's doing sacrificial acts of kindness. It's loving your enemies. It's forgiving people that don't deserve forgiveness. It's having a godly, intriguing, and joyous presence in the company of others. It's developing a set of natural daily habits or rhythms A lifestyle that intrigues others. Missional habits aren't just strategic. They're consequential. Now the author of the book that we focused on, his name is Mike Frost. He's the one that wrote Surprising Your World. And he writes this. If only our habits as Christians are going to church and attending meetings. They're not going to connect us with unbelievers nor invite their curiosity about their faith. The trick is to develop habits that unite us together as believers while also propelling us into the lives of others. We also need habitual practices that don't deplete our energy and burn us out but rather re-energize us, replenish us, our reserves, and connect us more deeply to Jesus. And those are the habits we're trying to encourage you. Frost suggests five habits to help us stay on task, to help us be missional. All right? But stop for a moment. Just for a moment. Rick, why would I want to be missional? Why would I like to change what I'm doing right now? I'm a pretty busy guy. (laughs) A lot of important things to do. If I add things to my calendar, I'm going to go crazy. All I'm saying is this. If we see life is temporary, and we see that God's given us an assignment, and we have an opportunity to encourage people to walk with the Savior, the King, to give you purpose and abundance right now and eventually eternal life later. Oh, it is worthy. It is worthy to be able to change some of your priorities. All right, I also share this. Well, let let me go back. Bells are five habits to keep you on task, to do your assignment well missional habits are designed to propel us outward sometimes we need encouragement to move sometimes we need encouragement to get to the gym get what i mean i've not met a lot of people whoa i can't wait to go to the gym i love sweating for an hour I love per- pressing those muscles everywhere and losing that weight and getting my core. Whoa, my core. It's so good. Most of the time, you have to do it with someone or you're threatened. All right? Sometimes it works. You see, in bells, all are important. But as I shared with you last time in our series, I think bells is actually out of order. And I would like to at least consider legs. But technically, I can't really draw legs because legs, I don't know how to do that very well. Um, But legs would be spelled L-L-E-G-S. And instead of bless, I'm saying grace. But let's forget all that right now. And let's go right back. Here, because I can't change a guy's book. You know what I mean? We're going to start with listen because I think listen is the most important thing. Listen just simply says this I'm going to have this habit and I'm going to spend at least one period a week listening to the Spirit's voice. Now, as I shared with you, I think sometimes you think listening to the Spirit's voice is like listening to music in Starbucks. You know, I enjoy my coffee. As long as it's a little bit of background, you know, I'm okay with that. But don't start meddling. That's not how the Spirit works. As we open up His Word faithfully, as we listen to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit prompts us in different areas. And we have choices every single time. Am I going to listen or am I not? I, I got to tell you, though, listening means that you are going to take Specific time to listen. Well, I'm a multitasker, Rick. I can do six or seven things at one time. I, I, Foo boy. I don't know if you can listen to God and do six or seven things. I just don't know. And that's what's really hard in our culture because realistically in our culture, busy is probably the greatest thing we struggle with. So are you telling me, Pastor, that at least 30 minutes a week I'm going to just sit there in silence and solitude and listen to God? I I can't make you do that. But I'm going to encourage you to do that. I am. Because if you can, you will begin to understand a little bit of where God is prompting you. And I think it takes time. Some of you know I have an opportunity each year to go up to Silverbird Ranch and teach at Nicolet Bible Institute. And I'm going to be leaving right after church today to do that. I get a week with 24 students. And some of those actually have gone through the program right here. But the bottom line is this, is that I get to encourage people, 24 college kids, to spend time with God. Let them sit underneath God's instruction and follow God with all of your heart. It's one of the highlights of my week. I get to talk about how great God is for a week and how you can connect with him, how you can do that. One of the things I will talk to them about, a generation that they are so good with noise. Have you noticed this? Noise. Lots of noise. Can you listen to our God? It'll change. It'll change you. Now the problem is we can look at some of that generation and point our bony finger at them, but we're all the same. We have a tough time being quiet and being alone and listening to God. Psalm 37.7 Be still in the presence of the Lord, And wait patiently for him to ask. It is during these silent times, these listening times, that you can respond or obey his voice. You read a verse which we just did a little bit before in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And it says, devote yourself to prayer and thanksgiving. Whoa. Just sit with that one for a half hour with God. Honestly. Honestly. How thankful are you? Well, I'm thankful for uh, big checks. I'm thankful for health. I am just not thankful that my car's not working. I'm not thankful that my daughter doesn't look me in the eye when we talk. I and you just go right through it. You know what's so amazing? Is that God's encouragement. Spend some time praying. And spend some time thanking. That's my will for you. Now we can obey. Or we can just move right on. And the truth is, is that sometimes we read our Bible. Even through it in a year. And you pat yourself on the back. Or you read your Bible and you stop after a sentence like that. And you can't go further. Lord, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Can you give me grace to do that? Would you help me meet with some people to help me pray differently and to be more thankful? I think people actually know me as a complainer. God, God, would would you change my reputation? Would you do that? You see, in this case, I think prayer communicates... uh, I'm sorry, completes the communication loop. So God talks to us, we listen, and we're able to talk back. And again, we're going to kind of buzz through this, but the second L, missional habit, thing that you could do for this year, would be learn. And, And the idea is learn Christ. Now that sounds really odd to most of us, okay? But in the early church they actually understood what learning Christ really means. It means I will spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. I will spend a significant time once a week reading through the Gospels. I will focus on Jesus' life. I will learn how he responded. I will, well, understand what it means to walk with God by focusing on Jesus. I, I'm a little bit concerned that some of us just know Christ's greatest hits. His birth, his death, his resurrections, and a few really cool miracles. But I think if we spent time with Jesus every week, it would change our lives. Because in John 1.14 and Hebrews 1, 1.3 the scriptures tell us that he was God in the flesh. We know exactly who God is by looking at Jesus. He modeled for us how to live in an unredeemed world. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, imitate God, oh baby. <laughs> How about I imitate? I don't know, but I'm going to imitate God? Are you serious? Yeah. Because as you walk with God, you begin, He begins to chip away to stuff that doesn't, well, reflect Him well. How cool is that? Christ's life ignites us and illustrates for us. Hey, the, the third it. bless i will bless three people this week one believer and one not redeemed and you go rick you are not sharp that's two you know what flip a coin bless three people this week bless them just want to make sure it's someone in and someone out and if god gives you an opportunity to bless others that is an awesome thing. See, life is hard and discouragement happens and one, pumping one's tires is needed and necessary. Blessing or gracing others mirror the character of God and alerts our world to God's reign. What does blessing look like? Well, it's using words, acts of kindness, and sharing gifts. In Ephesians four twenty nine. Don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say, everything I say, be good and helpful so that your words might be an encouragement. Whoa, sit with that for a while. All right? Don't use foul or abusive. I got that one. Uh, let everything... Ev- everything? Everything. Everything. Let everything. Oh, baby. Everything. Hmm. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind to each other. Be kind. You can be unkind, but God says, be kind. Be kind. In Luke 6:35, this is a killer. This is Jesus. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Wait a minute, Jesus, this is crazy. Financially irresponsible. Might be. I don't know when you do and when you don't. But I know this. Jesus said, love your enemies. And you know what? He practiced what he preached. Because as they were pounding some nails in him. You no. Know, and they were putting him up on that cross. When everyone else is ticked and swearing, and vile. All well, he's saying, Father, would you forgive these guys? They don't have a clue what they're doing. Wow. Next one, eat. Ah, uh, this is a good one. We like this one. I will eat with three people this week. One believer, and one at least one not redeemed. Very interesting. If you study again the life of Jesus, if you do, three things stick out. Jesus came to serve in Mark chapter 10. Jesus came literally to seek and to save the lost in Luke 19. And Jesus came to eat and drink with sinners. Now we don't like that word sinners, but it's just the not yet redeemed. So Jesus did these three things. His purpose was to serve and to seek and save. His method was to eat and drink. And let me just say this. The table seems to be the universal um, symbol of friendship. It represents hospitality and generosity and grace. And Jesus was perfect. He was perfect at this loving the sinner and hating the sin. How come he had the reputation of hanging out with the foul balls of society, the lowlifes? How cool is that? Eating meals together is a rhythm that will help us be salt and light. And then the last, the last habit is scent or surf, all right? What that basically says is I will journal or record all the ways I've alerted to God's others, to God's kingdom, God's reign, and God's rule. In other words, as you go through life, as you have this missional mentality, at the end of a week, or maybe at the end of every day, because some of us are a little more forgetful, you start writing down, hey, I had an opportunity to bless this person. Or you know what I ate with? You know, Tammy the other day. And whatever. And just be able to record some of the ways that you are surprising your world. Well, what do you journal? Well, some people like notebooks. Some people go to digital. It it probably doesn't matter. But all you want to be able to do is all your conversations or actions that alerted people to who God was. Identify that. Reflect on it. Because my guess is, without stopping to journal, you may forget how much God actually is doing. All right? You may not see that caring for your patients or teaching your students or parenting really hard kids to parent or putting up an acoustical ceiling are ways that you mirror God's work in our world we need to celebrate the wins and we always can do better well how does this work though okay we can try this we can see this and and again you reminded us about this like weeks ago rick you know but let's get practical and talk about accountability i shared with you how long does it take to do a habit 66 days normally I think it takes a long time to form a habit. And we talked about life groups. How life groups or being in group or community with others are critical. But that all of the life groups that we have or all of the groups or small groups or ministry groups that we have are really all different. And I didn't even try back then to have one best life group. But you know what's interesting? I encouraged you to form this organic DNA group. And the DNA group simply means discipleship, nurture, and accountability. It's a micro group of people that you're coming together with. Doesn't have to be organized by the church, doesn't have to be anything. But you come together. And you're accountable. I encourage you to meet weekly. I do. And we would love, our staff and our leadership here would encourage you and help you get started. To my knowledge, and again, I don't know if I know all the things that are happening here, but to my knowledge, there was one DNA group that was birthed after three messages in August. Hmm. Now, Maybe there's more. All right. But all I'm saying is this. There was one guy that said, this is really important to me. I'm going to get together, and I know he's meeting with two other guys, and they talk about how Bells is going. That's what they do. And I don't know, again, how many more or what we need to do. And I'm not here to raise your hand if you're part. I'm not. But what I want to do is I asked you to commit to Bells for two months. Last time I talked about this. Two months. Where you would try this. Where you would see if it fits. Where maybe a natural rhythm might happen. And I just want to ask, how's it going? How's it going? Or maybe... It's not going so good. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's time to revisit Bells in 2019. It will take some time, but I'm really sure we can do this. And maybe you've got another way to be missional. And maybe you're, again, unbelievably salt and light, and and you don't need these kind of goofy, well, habits. Habits. But I know this is that these habits begin to propel us out into the world and gives us opportunity to mirror God and surprise the world. And it takes a while for them to have it. You know, I have to admire our military. I do. So many of you know folks have been in boot camp. So many people who have served and maybe even just some right here. And I know that is true but there are a special group of military soldiers and i would just panicked here for a second here hold on someone stole my paper just kidding There is a special group. We call them Rangers. We call them Green Beret. Or we call them Navy SEALs. In some ways, these unbelievable soldiers, with the training and the commitment they have, is unparalleled with anything. And we are so grateful for what they do. But I want to take this just a step further, hoping not to offend anyone. I believe their mission is so critical. But what I want to say is I believe the mission that God has given every one of us as believers is even more important. I want to read something to you. This is called, and you can look it up on the internet. Please don't do it now. Um, It's called the Navy Seals Creed. And I'd like to read some of it to you. And I'd like you to listen to these words, but put them in a kingdom context. Let me say this. In times of war or uncertainty, there is a special breed of warrior ready to answer our nation's call a common man with uncommon desire to succeed, forged by adversity. He stands alongside America's finest operational forces to serve his country, the American people, and protect their way of life. He says, I am that man. Now, I'm going to continue. But again, I'd like you to think, all right, this is a person who has signed up to do something unbelievable, unbelievably selfish, unbelievably hard. They are unbelievably committed, and we're so grateful. That's why there aren't a lot of seals. But I'm saying, when you fall in love with our Lord, and you see what He has asked us to do and to accomplish and to be on mission... I am praying for the same resolve. The creed goes on. My trident is a symbol of honor and heritage bestowed upon me by the heroes that have gone before. It embodies the trust of those I have sworn to protect. By wearing the trident, I accept the responsibility of my chosen profession and its way of life. Always filled with sacrifice, remember. It is a privilege that I must earn every day. My loyalty to country and team is beyond reproach. I humbly serve as a guardian to my fellow Americans, always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. I do not advertise the nature of my work, nor seek recognition for its actions. I voluntarily accept the inherent hazards of my profession, placing the welfare and security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield. The ability to control my emotions and my actions, regardless of circumstance, sets me apart from other men. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and honor are steadfast. My word is my bond. We expect to lead and be led. In the absence of orders, I will take charge. I will lead my teammates and accomplish the mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. And it goes on. Listen to this. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish this creed by showing you a clip. It's a clip from the TV show called Navy Seals. And what I'd like to share with you is this. This is at the end of one of their episodes when they did some unbelievably heroic acts. One of their seals died. And you will see in this scene a casket draped with a flag. And you will hear these men Again, continue this creed so very dedicated and passionate for what they believe their calling is, which is an amazing calling. But I can't help thinking of what God has called us. Let's watch this clip. I get knocked down I will get back up every time I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission I'm never out of the fight we demand discipline we expect innovation the lives of our teammates and the success of our mission depends on me our training is never complete we're training for war fight to win, I stand, stand ready, ready to, to, bring to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission and the goals established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and violent when required, yet guided by the principles I serve to defend. Great men have fought and died building the proud tradition and feared reputation I am bound to uphold. In the worst worst of conditions, the the legacy of my teammates teammates, steadies my resolve, resolve, silently guides my every deed. And I will not fail. Baptisms of fire I've witnessed your son training is unbelievable their dedication is unparalleled and their desire is to serve and protect this country I look at what our king has asked us to do we often complain on the training if things get hard we stop And if there's casualties, we quit. I just think we're not seeing right. We're not. It's an unbelievable privilege we have to be out and among our world. Our lives should be like a movie trailer. Movie trailers are tasters. A good trailer will wake, wake. <laughs> a good trailer will make you want to see that movie. This is a great metaphor for the church. If we do our job well, people will want to be part of your world, a world where God reigns, a world where there's hope in spite of the hurt and the disaster and the brokenness. We, we can be salt and light, but so many of us lack margin and are too busy. Let's pray. Father, I do think the stakes are high. I do think we're casual so much of the time. I do think I do think we need to see you better. And I pray, Father, that in 2019, 2019, that we will be a group of people who understand what you've asked and do it. And may you receive all honor, all glory. all that has happened, Jesus. Amen.